So Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. What was it about Jesus that made him attractive to some and despised by others? What was it about Jesus that made sinners want to embrace him and the religious want to kill him? It's stories like the one that we just read that highlight just how polarizing Jesus was. While some called him a glutton, a drunk, a blasphemer, a friend of sinners, even an agent of Satan, others called him Savior, Lord, Teacher, Good Shepherd, Emmanuel, which means God with us, Light of the World. What was it that caused people to experience Jesus so differently? Well, over the last five gatherings, we have been exploring our community values. Can anyone name some of our values? Does anyone know them off the top of your head? Never alone. Known by love. Kingdom over brand? Yep. (laughs) We're covering that one today. We got two more we've already been over. (laughs) That's right. That's a good one. Called and capable, that's right. Anyone know the last one? Honor the least, honor the least, right? Well, tonight we're covering our final value, safe and dangerous, as Kirk said, safe and dangerous. This community should be a place that is both safe and dangerous. It should be a place where we experience hospitality, belonging, acceptance, And it ought to be a place where we are challenged, stretched, and at times made to feel uncomfortable. This community should be safe and dangerous because Jesus was both safe and dangerous. Now, safe and dangerous may seem paradoxical. How can a community be both safe and dangerous? How can Jesus be both safe and dangerous? Well, in the life and ministry of Jesus, we see that not only can these two things coexist, but that we actually need both of these things. We need both safety and danger in order to become who Jesus is calling us to be. In fact, Jesus shows us that we cannot truly experience one without the other. We need both safe and dangerous. We cannot confidently step into the dangerous calling place before us without the safety of being fully known and loved. Conversely, we cannot truly enjoy the safety of being fully known and loved if we do not step into the dangerous calling that Jesus has placed before us. We cannot have one without the other. So following Jesus is unavoidably safe 
and dangerous. Therefore, we should experience both in this community. Safety and danger, security and risk, reassurance and challenge. So in order to see this play out in the life of Jesus, we're going to focus in on how Jesus raised up and sent out his disciples. Think about this for a minute. How did Jesus take this ragtag group of sinners and rejects and in three years send them out to radically change the world? These were guys that no one else was picking for their religious kickball team. No other rabbi was going to come along and ask a bunch of tax collectors and fishermen to follow after them and learn from them. Yet this is the community that changed the course of history. So how did that happen? How did Jesus take Matthew, a tax collector who cheated and stole from his own people, and turn him into a missionary who would give his own life for the sake of the kingdom? How did Peter go from a man who turned his back on Jesus as he died on the cross to a man who was willingly crucified upside down instead of deny his allegiance to Jesus? How were a bunch of fearful compromisers transformed into courageous missionaries and martyrs? Well, the answer, I think, and what I'll hope to defend is that that is found in safe and dangerous. It is found in the, the paradox of these two things, in the community that Jesus created. Almost 10 years ago, I was given a book called Building a Discipling Culture. In this book, the author, Mike Breen, lays out the key elements of Jesus's approach to discipleship. In the first chapter, he says that one of the foundational components to discipling like Jesus is a culture that is highly invitational and highly challenging. He writes, effective discipleship is based upon an invitation to relationship and a challenge to change. A gifted discipler is someone who invites people into a covenantal relationship, that's where we find safety, but challenges them to live into their true identity. Identity That's a dangerous calling. Invitation and challenge. We need both of these things. So here's how we can visualize this. Um, let's imagine invitation and challenge on a grid. On the x-axis here, we have challenge with high challenge over here on the right and low challenge over here on the left. And then on the y-axis, we have invitation with high invitation up at top and low invitation down at the bottom. So according to Mike Breen, the balance between invitation and challenge creates four, uh, four different types of cultures within the church. And some of them you may have experienced. So if you have a culture that is highly invitational with low challenge over here on the top left, it creates a cozy culture. He calls it a cozy culture. In this sort of culture, it's comfortable, okay? It's easy. You never are asked to do the hard work of following Jesus. In this culture, there is superficial belonging without intimacy. There's this sense of security without growth, high invitation, low challenge. 
And ultimately, a high invitation, low challenge culture produces consumerism. In the bottom right quadrant, we have high challenge and low invitation. This is a works-based performance culture. Much is demanded of you without the security of friendship and community. Your place in the community is earned rather than offered. There's this hierarchy within the community of, of whoever does the most, whoever accepts the most challenge is better or higher up than those that, that don't. And a high, a high challenge, low invitation culture produces discouragement and ultimately burnout. Okay, that's high, invita or high challenge, low invitation. In the bottom left, we have an environment that is low challenge, low invitation. This is an apathetic culture. Apathetic culture. Are we following so far? Good? Okay, I know it's a lot. Apathetic culture. This is, in an apathetic culture, there is not a sense of belonging. There's no direction or purpose. There's no challenge to grow or become something or, or to do better or to step into your calling. And ultimately, this sort of culture produces boredom. Finally, the top right quadrant. Okay, we have a community that is highly invitational and highly challenging. This creates an empowering culture. In an empowering culture, you are known and loved. And for that reason, you are challenged to become who you can be or were made to be. This is a culture where you are encouraged and expected to use your gifts for the good of the community. This is a culture where we experience intimacy as well as growth and purpose. High invitation and high challenge are both necessary for discipleship. And that is what this sort of culture produces, is discipleship. So where do you think the culture that Jesus created around his disciples, where would that fall on this grid? What do you think? The empowering culture, right? Was, right, it's not a trick question. Is Jesus, was Jesus invitational? Yeah, of course. Was he challenging? Very challenging. He was invitational, he was challenging. If you read through the Gospels and, and write a little I every time Jesus is invitational, and a little C every time he's challenging, I actually did this once in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, you have I's and C's on almost every line. He was always inviting people into his life, opening up his life to people, and he was always challenging them to become who they could be, to step into the calling that God had placed on their lives. 
He was invitational and he was challenged. Jesus challenging. Jesus was incredibly invitational. He opened up every part of his life to his disciples. He showed people radical love like they'd never seen before. He sought to deeply understand those around him. If you've ever had someone in your life who makes you feel so loved and understood, you, you just feel like they know deep parts about you that you might not even understand yourself. Have you ever experienced that? Like this person's with you and they just draw this stuff out of you. They just have this deep understanding. That was Jesus. He had that deep level of intimacy and understanding with all these people that he was with. And that can feel uncomfortable, but there's also a lot of security and safety when you're with someone like that. Because there's invitation there. There's vulnerability. There's openness and authenticity. Jesus was very invitational. He was also extraordinarily challenging. He would say things like in Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He says in Matthew chapter 19, if you want to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. He says in Mark chapter eight, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You cannot read these words and not understand that the invitation to follow Jesus comes at a high cost. It comes with great challenge. It is risky. It is dangerous. When it comes to following Jesus, you cannot have invitation without challenge. So how does this translate to our value safe and dangerous? Well, In a culture that is highly invitational and highly challenging, there is both safety and danger. There is security and there is risk. And the more we find safety in the invitation of Jesus, the more we can press into the dangerous calling he places before before us. We need both of these things. So how did, like the question I asked earlier, how did the disciples go from being fearful, cowardly compromisers to being willing to pay the ultimate cost in order to follow after Jesus? They were secure in the love and promise of Jesus, and they understood the high cost of following him, and they believed it to be worth it. That is what distinguishes them from the others who did not receive Jesus. The Pharisees, as we saw in our passage at the beginning, they had a problem with the invitation that Jesus was extending to outsiders, and they didn't like the challenge that Jesus put before them. So they're over here in this this cozy quadrant, okay? Not that they didn't do a lot. But, but they think they're insiders. They think they got it all together. They think they don't have to change anything. And so when Jesus comes along and he begins to challenge them to move towards this quadrant, they're threatened. They feel uncomfortable. They're not willing to pay the cost that Jesus is putting before them. In contrast, the disciples, their experience of God before Jesus showed up was down here in the high challenge, low invitation quadrant. 
It says in, in Matthew 23 that the, Jesus says that the Pharisees had placed a heavy load on the backs of the people with all their religious laws and practices. So their experience was that, that God was demanding but not available. That they had to do all these things, but they couldn't actually be with God. That was their experience of God. So Jesus comes along and he begins to move them into discipleship by inviting them into relationship with him, inviting them into his life. I love how uh, Eugene Peterson, this will be up on the screen, how he translates the passage that we read at the beginning, Matthew chapter 9. Eugene Peterson, the message translation, he writes, Later when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and they lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and misfits? Jesus, overhearing this, shot back, Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go and figure out what this scripture means. I am after mercy, not religion. And this last line, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. What we have to understand is Jesus wants the same thing for both these groups of people. He wants the same thing for the the Pharisees and and the the sinners, the tax collectors, the fishers, all right, the sinner crowd and and the religious crowd. He wants the same thing, but they experience him differently. Ultimately, what Jesus was offering to them was intimacy with him and a place in his kingdom. And, but you cannot have both those things without invitation and challenge. You cannot have both those things without safety and danger. And we know this because the challenge that Jesus ultimately puts before the disciples is far greater than any challenge that the Pharisees had placed on them. Okay, he invites them to, to go forward and be his witnesses all throughout the world to give their lives. I think it's something like 10, 10 out of 12 of the disciples give their lives to spread the kingdom throughout the world. It's a much higher challenge that Jesus puts before them, but it's founded on the security of, of the invitation that Jesus offered to them. The safety of being close and, and intimate with their Savior. And the intimacy and nearness to God that was available to the religious crowd was so much greater than what they experienced over here in the high invitation, low challenge quadrant. Jesus was offering to them to walk with God himself in the flesh, but they wouldn't accept the challenge that he put before them. So when we get into this quadrant and we begin to move in this direction towards discipleship, the amount of invitation and intimacy and belonging and acceptance that we can experience and the, the, the magnitude of the challenge that we can actually take hold of and, and move forward on is so much greater than we could ever hope to accomplish in either one of these other quadrants. Our discipleship with Jesus requires both invitation and challenge, safety and danger. And therefore, in this community, you should feel invited, but you should also feel challenged. You should feel like this is a place where you can belong, where you can be vulnerable and open and and intimate with people in a way that you've never experienced before. But it also should be a place where you feel uncomfortable, maybe often a place where you are encouraged and expected to actually step into what God is calling you to do for the good of the community and the good 
of the world around you. And if we're not experiencing those things, there's probably something wrong in, in ourselves and, and there might be something wrong or there's certainly something wrong in the community as well. And we can work together to actually move towards this highly invitational, highly challenged, challenging community that Jesus desires for us. So, so as, as uh, Kirk and, and Ethan come up here, they're going to lead us in worship. I just want you to, let's just do this. Um, I want you to ask the question, how do you experience Jesus? How do you experience Jesus? Do you experience Jesus as highly challenging and not very available, not very invitational? He's demanding. He expects a lot of you, but you can't actually get to know him. Or do you experience Jesus over here where you feel like you, you, you can have a relationship with him, that you belong, like, but, but you're not actually challenged to grow and change and, and move. And, and hopefully you've experienced Jesus in the highly invitational, highly challenging quadrant. And how does that translate to this community? So you spend time processing that if you'd like. Uh, you can also... Uh, stand and worship with these two when you're ready. All right, guys, let me pray for you, and then we'll go into worship. Until Charlie said it a few minutes ago, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but what actually makes you feel safe? What actually feels dangerous to you? And how does Jesus make you feel safe? What feels dangerous about following Jesus? What do you actually count when Jesus says, anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it? A few friends and I were talking about this recently, and I don't know that we see Jesus as the rebel that he actually was, because through our lens, he's already holy, set apart, God in the flesh. But to the people in Jesus' time, especially the Pharisees, he was rocking the boat in all the wrong ways. He was asking his followers to dangerously give up everything to follow after him. Some, and they often doubted him. They needed to leave things that we consider important today too, and more. Things like, what will people think of me? What about my job? What about that one aggressive atheist person from Facebook that lives rent free in my head? That actually just might be Facebook, but. What about how I will feel now in circles that I normally feel comfortable in? What about me? What about the things I like or giving people what they deserve when they're wrong? What about my downtime? I already have so much to manage. And here's a personal one. What if these people I'm called to influence my kids in a way that I don't want them to? We think, yeah, Jesus did that, but he was God and I'm me, so surely I'm off the hook. We should hear an earth-shattering lion's roar in our hearts when we come up with such excuses. Because though Jesus was humble and lowly in spirit, he's also called the lion and the lamb. We have to remember who it is that we follow. Recently, I started reading the Chronicles of Narnia. So if you haven't read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to start, I recommend. Aslan, one of the main characters, is the king of this magical land called Narnia, and he's a lion, like an actual lion, who lovingly yet powerfully rules Narnia and created it himself. Animals of every kind follow their king Aslan, even though by nature he could devour them if he willed or lead them into terrain they don't, they don't feel built for. He is a lion after all. But instead of primarily focusing on his lioness, the dangerous part of him, they bow to his kingliness, his strength, might, and his goodness towards them. The safe part. We too have this same sort of king who could feel dangerous to follow. But what if our focus became more about his kingliness, his goodness, his mercy, his safety, and that superseded everything that felt dangerous about following him after all?
What if what makes him so dangerous is exactly why we're safe? I love the quote in the book when introducing the human characters to the king of Narnia. They had only heard his name, Aslan. We know now that, even if C.S. Lewis denied it, that it's directly paralleling the King Aslan, a lion, with our King Jesus. He writes, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He's the king, I tell you. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion as the guys play. And I just encourage you to confess to our king all the ways you don't trust him and all the risks and lay down all the ways that you trust your imaginary safety shields instead. Ask for renewal, new eyes to see how his danger is pure safety for those who love him. While it feels dangerous, irresponsible even to potentially give up the what if, the questioning, remember that we have a shepherd whose sheepdogs are named goodness and mercy. And if that's who follows after us in the dangerous, I'm not sure how much safer we can get. Come taste and see.